The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. podcast that you didn't ask for but we did anyway coming to you as part of the pwom podcast network i'm your host your north star on thunder road dave ryan and i'm joined by my faithful co-host stagger lee malone lee how are you this week i'm good pal how are you doing this week but you know i've had a pretty good week i have to say and it's it's a mark of how bad 2020 is that the, the bar is so low for why my <laughs> week was so good um i got an office chair okay um, i had an old one from ikea um that broke ages ago like the arm just fell off it <laughs> and the arm was what was used to keep the back straight so it was like the back was half slumped over yeah the whole chair was out of sync at that stage yeah and i was uh i had a replacement one well one that was was given to us for like if i had a guest over and they were in the office watching a movie with me but that one kind of, it's good for short sessions, but seeing as like, because of lockdown, I'm working all day in this chair. And then this is the room that I like to relax in at night as well. Mm. Like it gets a lot of miles. So it just wasn't like the arse was falling asleep in that chair, Lee. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> um, so I splashed out and got one of these, like it's not quite the proper high tech gamer chairs, but it was like a proper job through Amazon um with like reclining it's got a footstool built into it so like my back is thanking me you know i, I could podcast for hours <laughs> in this in this new chair um absolutely loving it and then i got to see some uh, we were talking about it off air but i got to actually watch some wrestling shows this weekend that were new oh Dark and thunder yes yeah so i got to watch the two gcw homecoming shows uh the beyond wrestling two weeks notice show and uh paradigm pro wrestling's heavy hitters two tournament um and as i was saying to you off the air like I, i'm not gonna rush out and tell people there are huge match of the year contenders for me uh on any of these shows i i would say of all of them the the lee moriarty wheeler utah match from beyond is worth looking out if you're into that kind of like um you know not quite grapple fuck but not far off it style <laughs> um that was really good there's some good moments as well like i think everybody by this stage or definitely by the stage that this show comes out will have seen the gif of uh joey janela nearly killing himself jumping off a pillar um to go through yeah that looked rough yeah to to go through leo rush and then he kind of like bounced off him and hit the back of his head off the boardwalk mm. and he had that proper like this isn't uh a, a work glazed over look in his face um that match was a bit disappointing the the leo rush 
Joey Janela match. But the reveal of... Uh, did you see the reveal of Leo Rush the previous night? I didn't night? see it. I had a spoiled oh, on me, but I believe I, it was brilliant. Oh my God, I lost my shit. So like Joey Janela is having this match with uh, Yoshihiko uh, for the, the DDT uh, uh, heavy... Heavy metal weight championship. championship. Um, and like Yoshihiko obviously has the, the handler dressed entirely in black. Um, and at the end of the, the match, Joey Janela is cutting a pro about how Yoshi goes, welcome back anytime because he won the belt. Welcome back anytime. And he's going to go over to Japan, all this. And then the handler attacks him and the handler removes the mask and it's Leo Rush and everybody just lost their shit and it was great. And so they had their final ever match because uh, Leo Rush at the moment is saying that this was his last match and he's retiring from wrestling. Although after the match, the big smile on his face I don't think he is mm. and I hope he's not because he's such an enormous talent mm. um, yeah I'll, I'll hopefully we see more Leo yeah I got, I got to see a couple of ACH matches over the weekend which was also great mm-hmm. that guy hasn't missed a step um, and something that has been remarked on on Twitter is that like on these kind of shows where everything is hard hitting or super fast a million miles an hour ACH went a different tack this weekend and came in and started like doing slower more methodical stuff and pretty great. That guy is a very, very good professional wrestler, it's, believe it or not. I was right? just going to say, it's almost like he's very good at everything, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost like it. Um, so, yeah, that that was cool. Um, and as I was telling you, the Paradigm show that was kind of like half hardcore, half shoot style. Uh, a show that featured Tom Lawler and Stefan Bonner and... Uh, all the lads uh, that was really good I think it would have been enhanced if it was in like a blood sport type venue you know where it had a cool aesthetic rather than what looked like a, a parish centre uh, <laughs> that was kind of disappointing like you could still see a single red star hanging from the ceiling from oh, someone's geez. Christmas party do you know so that kind of took away from it a little bit especially compared to like the boardwalk was a cool uh, setting for GCW and beyond Um but yeah, like getting to enjoy the wrestling was was really fun and a real kind of uh, a nice change. Uh, yeah, even if nothing completely blew me away, it was just like a little slice of what life used to be like, which is you know it's all you can ask for sometimes in twenty twenty. At this point, and sometimes that's too much to ask for in twenty twenty. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, Lee, we have two little bits of business that we want to get out of the way before we start on Thunder. Uh, this week and uh, the first is an announcement and this is something we had talked about earlier Lee and that is that in a few weeks Knights of Nitro will be returning our, our sometimes our little detour off Thunder Road where we talk about a significant episode of Nitro uh, the the show that drops after our War Games show uh, will be a Knights of Nitro uh, we don't want to spoil what people who are watching along and don't necessarily know what happens on the Monday after War Games uh, Fall Brawl but uh, it's significantly is it not? It's a big night for Mongo that's all I'll say <laughs> it's a big night for Mongo um, so it, yeah we'll be yeah, back no, look it's, it's one of the most memorable Nitros and yeah. look I think it's something we have. We 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 talked about this like when we when we started doing the Knights of Nitro thing. We said this is one that we absolutely will and have to cover. Yeah, it's something we've decided like the um going forward because you know after we we were talking about how um today pretty much around this episode we're about one fifth of the way through Thunder Road at this point. There's 150 plus episodes of Thunder, and that's before you factor in any of the pay per views. So by the end of that, which will be nearly eight years of podcasting, Jesus, um, 
we will not really be inclined to go back and just like, oh, let's do Nitro from the start. <laughs> so I, I think what we'll probably do uh, between now and two, when we finish 2001 is that any significant Nitro where something, one of the all-time great Nitro moments or one of the all-time bad Nitro moments happens, it's at least in consideration, we'll say, for mm-hmm. a Knights of Nitro. That'll be a kind of our, our companion series that we won't be, you know, you might get it a handful of times a year. We're not, uh, we're not tied we'll, to it. Like, we, we'll, we'll dip yeah. in and out whenever we feel appropriate. Yeah, kind of like your, our Pick Your Poisons. It'll just be when we have good reason to, basically. There, there's no set schedule for it. The timeline will keep going with uh, Days of Thunder and the pay-per-views. Uh, but every so often you get a nice little treat. Um, the one other thing, Lee, I wanted to talk about is um, this Sunday, just gone, the Premier League wrapped up, which means that the Nick Lambros Memorial Shield has been decided. Has it? Because I for... totally forgot. <laughs> well, Lee, that's clear because I'm about to run you through. Um, yeah, so at the start, for anybody who doesn't remember, uh, in August... When the Premier League season started, we encouraged people to join a fantasy football league, uh, at the end of which there would be some sort of prize bestowed upon the winner, uh, which is TBA, by the way. Um, We have the league here. We were very thankful and it was very enjoyable to have 28 different Thunder Buddies, I suppose, including the two of us. Uh, join up for the league this year and it was very competitive I will say I know I myself was moving up and down this league all year um, and that you know not helped by the fact that as is tradition I forgot about it for a good middle third of the season I, I would <laughs> imagine kind of only... I finished towards the bottom of this you wouldn't be wrongly yeah I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure now, I had an abysmal season so now I will say Lee you made a huge jump uh, on the last week in terms of points okay uh, what I'm going to do is here I'm not going to read everybody out I don't think or do you think I should no no don't yeah so I, I what I'll do is I'll read where you finished where I finished <laughs> and who won uh, spoiler alert neither of us won <laughs> Um, not really within an arse's roar in terms of actual points of winning but um, let's just start off with the uh, Lee Malone with his team, the Big Kahunas, twenty uh, fifth place. Um, now Lee, you did have a great surge at the very end. Um, you were second from bottom, and you leapfrogged two people on the very last week. You scored seventy one points in the final round of games, which is actually one of the best in the league for that week. Do you know what? <laughs> you know? I will take being Aston Villa in this instance. Yeah, there's only I think there's only two, maybe three people. Okay, four. Uh, who scored more than you that in the last day of fixtures? So you, you've done very well. Um, you just climbed out of the bottom three. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving up to seventh place, we have myself, Dave Ryan, with Glazer Ramon FC, finishing on a uh, twenty twenty two points two thousand and twenty two, um, and the winner of the Nick Lambros Memorial Shield. Is Gary Watson uh, with Garthathron? I I don't know how Garth Garthathron. Gary Watson anyway won. 
<laughs> with a score with a score of 2274 points so had a pretty comfortable lead of nearly 100 points by the end of it which makes the rest of us all look like an absolute disgrace by comparison <laughs> uh, but congratulations Gary uh, I, I'll tell you what if you DM us at WCW Thunderpod uh, or if it is more convenient for you to email us at uh, wcwthunderpod at gmail.com, get in touch. Uh, and obviously with restrictions being what they are and post being what it is, uh, if you were to contact us and drop us your uh, postal address, we will sort you out with um, the prize. your fabulous prize. Anyway, Lee, that's our, our bit of admin out of the way. It's time to talk about uh, beer. <laughs> The Peers of Thunder have arrived. This is something it, I am very much aware of. <laughs> it is it is worth stating that uh, this is much earlier than we usually record. The sun is still up and blazing. Um, so it's going to be fun to go down and make my dinner after this half cut. Uh, but what have you got in the holster this week, pal? This week I am enjoying a pair of Bira Moretti's. Oh, I just thought you were. I'm just enjoying a pair. <laughs> <laughs> One of your five a day. Um, no, this is just a nice Italian beer. It's not particularly fancy. It's just incredibly, yeah. incredibly easy to drink. Is the way I would describe this. Yeah, it's just nice. <laughs> it's really like it's been around for ages, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's really kind of taken off in Ireland. Like the last six months, maybe. I see it all over the place yeah. now. It, it's um, it's all over like the local off licenses and yeah stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's something that like I've had plenty of times before. I had mm. it in a couple of pubs, and I think it's I think it's even on taps in a couple of places around Dublin. Um, it is. Um, and I when I took my trip to Glasgow at the end of last year, um, I saw it a lot. <laughs> uh, it was in a lot of places. Um, and actually I did, I did indeed have one on tap while I was waiting for a friend of the show, Ian, uh, when we were going to see Ghost. Um, so yeah, it is, it is good. It's easy drinking stuff. It's a nice comfort beer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lee, I've got two drinks here. I've got a beer and a spirit. Uh, and both of these follow the theme of uh, being from friends of the show. Friends of the show I actually know in real life that were able to get me these things. <laughs> they were both gifts uh, for my birthday last month. Uh, and the first, as you might be able to hear me pouring, good ASMR content there, uh, is the first on this program for a Japanese whiskey. Oh. And this is the Nika Days uh, Smooth and Delicate Blended Whiskey. Uh, a throat scorching 40 percent uh alcohol by volume my god so, you, you weren't joking around when you said half cut making your dinner really yeah i know there's gonna be two hits tonight uh me hitting this and then me hitting the floor um so i'm gonna try that i'm gonna try that now that's very very nice this is from a friend of the show jack lazell my uh, link to the cast co-host um, that's actually very very smooth for how strong it is you should also plug our Euro 96 part 1 mm. that dropped last week look at you yeah um, so over on Link to the Cast which is my um, my other podcast where we usually talk about video games myself Lee Alan Forel uh, and my usual co-host Jack Lazell um, yeah we started recapping the famous Euro 96 football tournament uh, part one which is nearly two and a half hours long only covering the group stages uh, <laughs> only, only, no on, only covering group A almost 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was like half Group A, and then the rest is kind of oh shit, oh shit. Um, but yeah, the first part of that is up, and uh, there's gonna be a video clip dropping of it on at link to the cast on Twitter. Um, that that Jack has prepared, but uh, that podcast contains maybe the single greatest Alan Forel story I've ever heard. Um, certainly the most surprising one uh, I've heard uh, in many a year. I think uh, it so it, that, it genuinely had all three of us that were on the line on the floor. Yeah, yeah. I had to mute my microphone. I, <laughs> like I was just I was gone, absolutely gone at it. Um, so yeah, check that out. Thank you very much for reminding me about that, Lee. Uh, the beer I brought for this week, before we start on Thunder, is uh, also from friend of the show, uh, Alan Murray, who he's, he's got not me friend of the show. The... <laughs> he hasn't paid you off yet. Uh, I'm obligated to say got... that every time his name comes up. From the Hop Foundry, I have the Hop Stepper, which is a hop forward pale ale, which is a four point five. So. We'll give that a go. It sounded it like doesn't... it fizzed up oh, there, it didn't it? Completely, it completely fizzed up. Like, I don't mind telling you that. I have a feeling this um, part may be edited out of the show. It absolutely will be. That's for sure. <laughs> give me a second there. <laughs> there we go. Just, to, just in case Dave doesn't edit this out, as he cleans himself up, I'll just kind of fill the dead air. It did. I didn't actually get a drop of it on me. I kind of like it's one of those do you know uh, like in the in Jurassic Park when you see the the glass of water shaking it's like I could see the fizz coming up and I got the fuck out of Dodge so the floor is not in great shape uh, I'm not gonna lie but uh, everything else is going to plan I will say (laughs) fuck's sake eventually you will get to taste this beer I'm gonna taste this beer right now here we go. It feels like I've lost about a third of the can through fizz, even though it had been the can had been sitting completely stock still uh, since I sat down on this call. I, I feel like you, you're obligated to now drink it like the Sandman. Mm. That's quite. I, I was expecting. It's very nice, and it's very mild. Um, you get the hoppy taste off it, but kind of we've said it before on the show, Lee, that um, kind of overly hoppy ales aren't really our kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. This is kind of, this is good. It's uh, like, it's very, the hoppy taste is quite mild. Uh, it's easy going. I think it's a good pairing with the Japanese whiskey. Uh, not a good pairing with the floor, I'll give you. Um, but here we are. <laughs> fucking, what a professional program we were. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's early. We've, we've plenty of time. Yeah, do you remember that few weeks stretch, Lee, where I was pouring out the beers before we started recording? This is why. Yeah, like you went through that thing where you'd have to be ready. You had your nice little tap as well that was keeping everything yeah. tidy. Well, this is the problem you see that I was cooking uh, for my partner right before this. So I literally legged it up with all my drinks. So you're getting, uh, you're getting sloppy. And hit record, yeah. Just that, that professionalism is slipping. <laughs> I'm starting to live that gimmick that you keep trying to get going for me that I'm unprofessional. Listen, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. Shall we fucking talk about thunder, shall we? No. <laughs> I think we have to say at the top of the, the thunder talk, I yeah. said it on Twitter, this show seemed to have been booked in honour of our good friend on Twitter, Aaron Quinn. Yeah. Because this is right up her valley. This is like made for her, some of the matches on this show. Yeah. Uh, it was, I, I remarked when I was watching it uh, last night that it was a beef fest. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, at least the first half of this show, there's an awful lot of uh, big meaty men slapping meat uh, on this show, <laughs> as Big E would say. 
Um, this is, in fact, Thunder episode 30, September 3rd, 1998, but that is only the air date as it was a back-to-back taping in Peoria, Illinois, uh, with last week's Thunder. It's worth remarking, this is something I looked up when I was, um, I'm putting together a list of our shows so we know what's coming up when, um, and I've noted that for the next couple of months, it's pretty much, they just do two Thunders at a time. And that should so, be interesting because... Next week's Thunder, which will be live, is to go yeah. home for Fall Brawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a... I think with... Not with Fall Brawl, but I think with World War Three is the next pay-per-view. And I think they did a single taping before that and okay. then a single taping after uh, to, to mitigate that. But I, I think it is this pay-per-view where they record the post-pay-per-view Post Thunder, Thunder. Yeah. before the... Which is something that absolutely WCW are notorious for. And it terrifies me knowing how bad continuity can be in this company. Yeah. In in the late 80s, early 90s, um, it's something that I, I think I said recently that I have been rereading Death of WCW. Like there are multiple accounts uh, before the boom and even, you know, during the boom um, where WCW were filming multiple shows with people as world champions who hadn't earned it. Uh, or or somebody who was they just you know, walk out on, a, on a, a Saturday night taping with a title that hadn't been around for a couple of weeks. Yeah, or somebody had you know they they had a they had already lost on a taping a belt they hadn't won yet on the yeah. pay per view that kind of like yeah like he's a continuity all over the shop. Um, my because Thunder is the B show. My my inclination at this point is I think. What we're going to get is every second show is going to be an absolute dud that could easily have been set at any time. There's going to be nothing of consequence happening on every second Thunder. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be the setup for, yeah. for the next couple of months going forward. And look, to be honest, if you're going to tape things out of sync and, and have that situation where people are going to be seeing uh, on the second Thunder something that hasn't happened on Nitro yet... I think it's probably if that's what you've decided to do, it's probably the smarter mm-hmm. call to to keep it vague so that you're not giving away much in the arena. That mm-hmm. all the storyline development is being done on commentary or in pre-taped segments that are being cut into the show. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy watching it. <laughs> Listen, you know? if we're going to get more of Mean Mike and Tough Tom, I'm oh, going to take this. Jesus. I'm gonna be start. I'm gonna embrace um, the, the worldwideness of Thunder for the next couple of months. <laughs> we are ten days away from war games, and with the tension rising between the three major factions in WCW, Thunder is back with your usual three commentators of uh, Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain, and Steyer Lee Marshall. So then, uh, hang this, on, hang on. This is something I was just thinking about. So mm-hmm. Mike Tenay came out for the second hour of the live Thunder. He then had to go backstage so Lee could come back yeah. out. Yeah. And then he had to and replace then, him again like half an hour or 40 yeah. minutes later. But I, I, I love, not only do I love the, the fucking uh, musical chairs nature of the third commentary position, um, but I love how like they've already decided Mike Tenay is the main event of the two of them. Um, and you know it's true in terms of like wrestling knowledge there are very few commentators I can think of in modern history that that have the, like I think maybe an Excalibur is is a good parallel mm. in terms of somebody who can just recall an unbelievable amount of knowledge uh, about wrestling um, I think you know um, at the time in the 90s probably Joey Styles as well 
Um, you know, not so much as things would. He, as, he was the obvious comparison between the big three, like the commentators from the big three, would yeah. be Joey and Tanay. Yeah, so like this is obviously you know he gets he it, it's not an unwarranted nickname the professor, but I like having him out because I think he's a guy that I don't know how you feel about it Lee, but like later on in the show obviously this is when you're getting the NWO and this is when the storyline stuff is happening and Tanay is a good guy for actually explaining context, which is something that WCW itself on the whole badly lacks a lot of the time. Mm. Um, I think he does a lot of the legwork. Uh, for the promotion in in those situations, yeah, he don't like. Whereas you know, Bobby kind of will throw throw jibes at pretty much everything that happens on the shows, and yeah. Tony can be very wishy washy sometimes mm-hmm. if he if he doesn't buy into it. I think Tanae yeah. always tries, and we we saw that as well. Like obviously in TNA, there's no yeah. more of a team player than Mike Tanae when it comes to trying with stuff. Hmm. I don't know if it's something we talked uh, maybe we talked about it towards the beginning of Days of Thunder but that like the the Mike Tanay Don West pairing and and then kind of at, at a similar time frame the Taz Michael Cole pairing on Smackdown I remember getting they used to get absolutely pilloried mm-hmm. in magazines and in message boards and on newsletters and like you look back on those tandems uh, now in 2020 with the state of commentary we have on major television this is not to decry like I think AW commentary is obviously like is uh, way way above WWE but it's still got its its problems mm-hmm. those problems mainly being Jim Ross who I, to his credit has improved markedly compared to where he started yep. um, I still think it's better as either a two man booth with Excalibur and Tony or a three man booth with Taz as the third man um, actually but, have you checked out Dark yet with Excalibur and Taz uh, I, I I had been dipping in and out of Dark and now like in the kind of um, the last couple of months they've really beefed up those shows and now they're having like mm. six, seven matches on Dark and I'm thinking and they're actually doing storylines on Dark that they're, they're carrying in. over yeah. yeah so they're doing like the Brandy stuff is happening a lot on Dark um, with Ali and then there's uh, the Ricky Starks uh, line, Brian Cage yeah. Taz Alliance happened so I'm thinking, like, starting this week, I need to actually commit myself to watching Dark. Because mm-hmm. um, it seems like I'm missing some stuff. And that's what I like. I like when, you know, in, in terms of my time management, I don't like it. But in terms of, um, hey, look, there's more there's more wrestling that feels like I should be watching it. Whereas, like, I'm still watching, you know, the odd match that people say was good from NXT in, like, May or June. That I just didn't feel was in any way important for me to get to. You know, like, do you know what? It's nice to have a company that is telling you that their TV, like, okay, I know Dynamite isn't on TV, or um, Dark isn't on TV, it's on YouTube, but yeah. like, it's telling you, like, you need to watch our programming to understand yeah. where yeah. this Brandy and um, Ali tag team is coming from, why Ricky Starks is being brought up by Taz, yeah. like, and I feel like they're probably going to end up, they're doing that women's tag tournament. I, I think there's probably going to be a few matches happening on Dark. I oh, think yeah. that would be a smart more, more thing. Likely, yeah. And I think this is them trialing because they got in their improved TV contract, they got a new show. They did. And um, so this is, obviously, that, yeah. this is obviously their dry run because I think it's 2021 that mm-hmm. they're supposed to start with it. Now there may be kind of, those timelines may move because of COVID. But uh, anyway, 
fuck like can you tell how little we want to talk about this show <laughs> the main of ev- the main event of thunder this week is ddp and conan versus stevie and giant you'll remember from thunder last week that uh, conan came out to save ddp from a, a whooping from the the nwo and the kind of uh, the tease in the air although i was surprised at how little they kind of tried to reinforce it the the kind of what they were implying at the end of Thunder last week was that there may be an alliance between WCW and the Wolfpack mm-hmm. over the kind of common enemy of Hollywood. Um, but they really could have reeled back on that this week, uh, which was a shame because I, I think like I was just appreciating any development at all happening with an NWO storyline. Well, to me, it seems like they totally forgot that Kevin Nash had made an open offer to DDP to join the Wolfpack. And yeah. it seemed like he was about to until Dennis Rodman and uh, Hogan attacked him with cheers a couple of months yeah. ago you would think that that would be something that they would like cause, play into yeah, yeah. It, now it seems like it was accidentally a good story that we're reading connections between things that were never intended to be there that they were just coming up with this shit off the top of their heads um, which is a, a shame uh, our opening contest on Thunder is uh, Rick Fuller versus Marty Jannetty's tracksuit <laughs> fucking hell this gear my giddy aunt Do you remember those Skittles ad Taste a Rainbow? Oh yeah, that's what was got. It was just uh, like I think I described it on Twitter as an assault on the senses. Um, I tell you, so what, it, whatever it, drugs Marty Janetti was on when he ordered this gear, they must have been good. <laughs> I felt like I was on some of them just looking at it. So it's like a, it's a kind of um, it's a thick track, like a, a thick kind of puffy track jacket like you would have gotten at that time. And it's kind of like the, the the torso of it is mostly white and the arms are just this kaleidoscope of colour. All these kind of like just... It's Genetti and his, te- his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, and the the trunks were the same. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like you took off the jacket you're like, oh, thank God. No, this is proper like multicoloured and... You know, it's obviously like it's one of those things where the Rockers were known as being a very colourful tag team. And it's not the only occasion in this uh, in this match where you can feel the pettiness of WCW trying to to (laughs) get the shine off. Remember this guy from that tag team you liked? Um, But fuck, yeah, that that gear was just like I couldn't believe it. Well, Um, I also have to say as somebody who just got their haircut, Dave, I need to know your opinions on Marty's new do. It's like the tidiest mullet I've ever seen. <laughs> business it's mullet. It's the kind of thing... It, yeah, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, there's yeah, a business up front uh, party at the back. But, like, the mullet, like, the long part is so, like, tight to his head that unless you were looking directly at it, you wouldn't... Like, it's, it's like a low-key mullet, if such a thing can exist. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, but it was it's like he doesn't want people to know he's a NASCAR fan yeah it used to be like it was often it was often said that like you know think about what the current trend of fashion is and professional wrestling is about 15 years behind that you know you think about how professional wrestlers up until relatively recently were unironically wearing Zubas and uh like having fanny packs and that kind of stuff, you know, and bandanas and things like that. Um, now, the, now you'll see people with Zubaz, but it's more kind of ironic, you know, mm-hmm. um, than it used to be. Um, 
but yeah this is like it was just good lord this is this was a look i'll tell you this was a look <laughs> I, I actually i can't wait to see if he has this gear again the next time you see him he definitely has it on a nitro around now because i looked up you got i tried picture, to yeah yeah, without trying to get a, a go in and actually screenshot on the network, I tried to just do a shortcut while I was typing on the laptop and get a picture of him in the gear, and it was from a nitro. So he definitely wears it uh, at least twice, which is two more times than I needed to see it. Just, just out of interest, um, what did you search for to find Marty Janetti in that specific gear? I think I wrote Marty Janetti rainbow gear funny. <laughs> <laughs> or dumb. Some adjective like that. Uh, and you know what? Came straight up. <laughs> Not a bother. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Rick Fuller, by comparison, looks like every kind of slightly naff, beefy wrestler from this time period. Like, it's so... It's such a contrast that the looks of these two men. And he's just there with, like, his curly hair, his little beard, and his, his dark colours and, and stuff like that. It's just like... It was such a... Is it any more obvious? This is the man we want you to cheer for. And this is the man we don't want you to cheer for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you and know? I, I must I, say, like calling Ric Fuller championship material down the road. Uh, that's a stretch. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a real stretch. But I will say about this match to talk about an actual match instead of their sartorial choices here for a second. Um, I, I didn't hate it. I I think these guys like there was still Marty still had enough about him at this stage. Uh, and Rick Fuller was like, like he wasn't bad. He wasn't good. I, I think Fuller was about half a step behind where yeah. Marty wanted him to be at all times. Yeah. yeah. But look, I, th- I, think, I they, think they played the roles for what they were supposed to be. Yeah. They were open and match on a TV show. I think I would have enjoyed it if it got like maybe three more minutes. Like I think it, it felt like one of those matches that was just starting to get going and then they realised they were about to blow their time spot mm-hmm. and just went to the finish. Um, And I love those, uh, you know, I'm a sucker in a TV match, Lee, for those kind of um power versus pace matches, you know, where you're talking about, like, there's not much in the size difference between the two of them. Like, obviously, in terms of weight, there's a bit of a difference. Um, But they're telling the story about how, like, Marty, obviously, you know, known as being a flyer from from his younger days and... Um, it's him trying to use his pace, his trickery, and his athleticism to uh, wear down the the kind of all power mm-hmm. Rick Fuller, and I, that's a dynamic that I, I don't think it's you know tale as old as time kind of thing in wrestling. I I, I think when it's done well, it's it's one of the kind of best tropes you'll get in in TV wrestling. Oh yeah, like it's it's always a fun kind of contrast, and like I say, like these two kind of. They played to their strengths, I think, just going for this kind of power versus speed match. And Marty, as you say, is still um, competent enough to play the babyface in peril well. And mm. look, it got in, it got out. It gave you the, the babyface win to start the show. I mean, it's yeah. there's not much more to it than that. Yeah, did the job. Um that's you know it sounds like we're damning with faint praise but like you know that's all you want at this stage what what did um, you think of the rocker dropper with the like the arm twist into the the leg on the back of the neck it felt like again you were saying that that fuller was at like a half step off the pace and it did feel like it was kind of they rushed to it and that mm-hmm. fuller didn't necessarily know what marty was trying to do um 
And the other thing, you know, I was kind of alluding to uh, WCW pettiness. What did you think of the new name for the move? The Showstopper. Yeah, that is Awful. that is like quintessential WCW spite. Just call it the Rocker Dropper. Everyone knows it's the Rocker Dropper. Yeah, or even just the Dropper. You know, something like something that sounds similar rather than go the like, Genetti Dropper. There you go. Yeah, they're trying to rebrand them as theirs. Yeah, rebrand them and evoke the rockers at the same time. Yeah. This is the thing, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that WCW, they they can never decide whether they want to acknowledge someone's past in the WWF and cash in on it or ignore it completely and say, all right, this is our version of the mm-hmm. character kind of thing. And they they often get caught in the middle. Uh, but this is a thing where, like, I think in their head, they think, oh, this is so clever. It's like, oh, remember that other guy? Yeah, well, I'm where the big boys play now. But all it's reminded me of is a much better wrestler I'd rather be watching at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And I want, like, it has to have come from above. It's not Marty calling it a showstopper, is it? No, I, I don't think so. I, I There's, like, there's, you know, a fairly decent chance that he had no idea that they called it that when they started saying it on commentary. <laughs> um, but here's the thing as well, like something that opening matches are good for sometimes is setting the context for the, um, for, you know, what's been going on. And I think they do a good job of catching you up and talking about, uh, trying to fit in the stuff about the, the possibility that the flock is on the border of imploding. Um, and there's a good comparison made in here because it's at about the height of Mark McGuire um, in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking about how uh, they describe kind of Raven as that Mark McGuire figure. And there's a, a lot of people in his team want him to hit 100 home runs in a season. But at the same time, there are people on his team that would maybe benefit from him failing so that they could succeed or overtake him. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a good analogy for the kind of you're talking about when you think about 1998 you're thinking there are actually a lot of casual people tuning in that don't know a huge amount Mm -hmm. and this is why like i know we kind of we groan nowadays at the the contemporary sports references in televised wrestling but this is what it's for it's not for you the wrestling viewer who was going to watch five hours of wcw a week it's for the person just switching by and they go past a superstation and somebody is talking about how somebody on the show that's coming up later is like mark mcguire um so I, I think I was just going to say I, I have one problem with all the Mark Maguire talk they mentioned that Goldberg was with Mark Maguire on Monday they were in I think they were in the, um, was it St. Louis he played for the Cardinals I can't remember but um, yeah yeah they mentioned that Goldberg was with Mark Maguire and Mark Maguire had rubbed his bat on Goldberg and he then went on mm. to hit two home runs that night now, if this were the WWF at the time, we would have had clips and clips and fucking yeah. clips of Stone Cold Steve Austin pouring fucking beer, pouring fucking putting a t-shirt on Mark McGuire, doing everything possible, and we would have been fucking rammed down our throat, and we got nothing. Yeah. We got that one bear mentioned that Goldberg was with Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire was the mm. one of the biggest fucking things in American sports in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> like the whole home run thing between him and Sammy Sosa was enormous yeah and we get a little mention of it it should have been on the show like four times yeah we would have been dis- sick of it 
but yeah, it should have been. It's funny the same company that uh, capitalized so much on Randy Savage winning the Harvard Lampoon Manliest Man of the Year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that they didn't capitalize on this, which was far more mainstream. Um, like there should have been yeah. TV guide pictures of Maguire and fucking Goldberg together. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, it is. It is quite bizarre. I will say that. Yeah. Like you imagine, like Goldberg standing there in Maguire short. And then Maguire yeah. wearing a Goldberg shirt. Like, there you go. It's money. It's icon- an iconic image. Um, we, we go back to Nitro next. Uh, flashback to see uh, Hogan and Brett versus Lex and Sting. Uh, there is dissension briefly teased between Hulk and Brett, who, by the way, is the US champion. Uh, <laughs> but then Warrior smoke-bombed his way into the ring before it came to a head. So much as I'm hating the um, the Warrior stuff. I'm loving that we don't have to see it. Yeah, it's actually something I wrote. I wrote later on in my notes. I was like, "I'm loving the lack of Warrior on Thunder." Uh, you know, they're talking about him all the time, but the lack of him on Thunder, I'm fine with that. Keep on going. Yeah. Um, but I I like that they're kind of they're at least kind of I think it's clever to do that. Oh, here's a potential something to watch out for the relationship between Brett and Hogan could be fraying a little bit and then rather than give the payoff then and there just to pop a rating this week anyway um they kind of just immediately sidetrack you back into the feud the horrible feud that uh that hogan is in at the moment so well maybe um, Bert won't wear his hogan t-shirt next week that'll teach him maybe maybe he won't just a little vignette of him just putting it in the bin backstage <laughs> um then we get from uh, Monday night again. We're sticking with Nitro flashbacks, and we've got uh, a day in the life of Perry Saturn, the uh, the servant. So he he's in servitude to Lodi because he lost the match last week. Um, he does an interview with Tanae where they're basically like, "Why, like, why are you holding to the the the, the terms of this stipulation?" Because obviously, to, in kayfabe, to everybody in WCW. It's very silly that you would stick to the steps of a match, <laughs> which is like very foreboding of the way this company would go. Very selective attention to detail on the old steps. But um, Saturn in, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not saying that he fucking um, raised the roof with these promos he did tonight. But I think there was actually some good characterization of him in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, about the, the, the kind of the, the, the quality... Uh, of human being he is and his values and things like that he talks about how he's a man of his word and he's going to hold up his end of the bargain he says the pain of doing so is temporary but his pride will last forever um flash forward later to that show uh where canyon and raven are, are egging saturn to hit canyon but he won't because obviously Lodi didn't tell him to uh, flash forward then again to Lodi and Saturn versus High Voltage. Uh, Lodi, a known coward, won't tangle with them, which I appreciate. Is like you know he gets in the ring thinking he's the big man, and as soon as one of uh, he makes a tag. Uh, Chaos or yeah. Rage goes towards him, he tags back out again. And lets Saturn do all the work. He hits a Death Valley driver on one of them, and then Lodi insists on being tagged in so he can steal the pin. Uh, so I did like that, you know. And I, I love um, Heenan like just at that moment saying, "Oh, Lodi did all the work." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, next up we have Lenny Lane versus Kaz Hayashi uh, my favourite part of this whole match might have been Lenny Lane during his entrance shouting Lenny Lane <laughs> to a fan as he's walking down <laughs> apparently according to the commentary this is when Lenny is starting to be kind of mentored by Jericho or he's trying to impersonate him at yeah. least 
yeah, there was a couple of allusions to how God even looks like Jericho mm-hmm. now. He has, like, he has the top stretch. knot going. Yeah. Yeah, it's the top knot, it's the colour hair, it's very little else about him. Well, he, um, they both like Glover Boy, so. I guess. Um, Bobby said he's talking about how, like, he cannot understand Saturday. He thinks he's an idiot because he's like, there's no point in being honourable with Lodi, a man who has no honour, which is a very fair point. Sounds logic. Um, uh, Lenny here being the, the stronger and more experienced of the two is powering Kaz around the ring here early the crowd are really giving Lenny Lane shit throughout this match though oh, I was amazed at this Lenny Lane is getting genuine heat like where the fuck are yeah. people seeing Lenny Lane in 1998 yeah I, it's crazy but like he has more heat than a lot of the heels on this show so fair play to him at least for one week um, what, what, um, what do you think of uh, I think it was around this time Lee Marshall says he's been reading the periodicals that Mike Tanay brings into the backstage area with him. I missed this bit. I must have been typing down something else. Yeah, that's what exactly what he says. Periodicals. <laughs> so you can imagine Lee Marshall sitting there in his in his uh in his tidy whities in the backstage area waiting to go No re- I, re- I reading the observer. <laughs> I imagine Lee Marshall sits in the back in a smoking jacket with a pipe. <laughs> With a and has like one <laughs> I was just going to go on um, yep. what were you going to say he has one of those kind of like green reading lights <laughs> where he's just like maybe a monocle as well <laughs> do you think he re- um, reads it out loud to Shivani and Tanae as they're getting ready yeah oh well he's got that radio voice he does so I'd, I'd quite happily let him read out articles to me see what dirt Big Dave is given about backstage at WCW um I appreciate as well, speaking of lines on commentary, uh, while there's a pretty fast-paced action going on in the ring, uh, Bobby Heenan has taken the opportunity to bury, bury Lois's cooking. <laughs> the greatest background character in the history of WCW. Yeah, I, I can't remember how it comes up. It's something about choking. And Bobby said, it's like, oh, you know, choking almost as much as the I, last I think, time I, think I was Len- over at Tony's house for dinner. Yeah, Lenny goes down and he's like rolling on his side or something. And that's how it comes up. And uh, yeah. I think Bobby Bobby says something like, oh, I haven't seen somebody roll like that since the last time we went over to yours for dinner. There's a lot of, obviously, now that I think about it, I'm putting it all together in hindsight. It's like some producer backstage, some agent in WCW really liked the idea of people selling their throat and wanted to make it a like a real standout point in multiple segments on this show. Uh, now that I think about it. Uh Lee Marshall thinking he's coming up with the best joke of the night says uh, about Lois's cooking that uh, he suggested maybe they should use the Hurricane Heimlich <laughs> on each other. Swing and a miss there, Lee. He tried. He tried. He certainly did. Um, speaking of information that has nothing to do with the match, uh, Shivani mentions that he's heard Dean Malenko is demanding from WCW officials a cage match with Hennig obviously this plays into the fact that at War Games last year Hennig uh, turned his back on the horseman and uh, they got beaten down Dave did, did uh, you know that Kurt Hennig turned his back on the horseman in a cage match last year and for uh, the last they year they haven't done anything to him yeah this is, this is the thing right so you know you can compliment and insult them in equal measure here because like it's complimentary that they're referring to any long term story at all about a thing that happened in the past. That is commendable and it gives motivation to Dean Malenko in this. But yes, as you point out, every time they bring up that feud, you are also reminded that nearly one calendar year has passed and it didn't seem to bother Dean Malenko until about two weeks ago. 
I mean, look, it's it's fuck it, it's bad. Look, it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even yeah. muster an argument for it. It's just, it's bad. Yeah. Like the guy's the guy's been around constantly for the last year. I mean, come on, what have you been doing? <laughs> um, Kaz hits a, a really sick looking twisting plancha. Um, and again, towards the end of the match, they're talking about how um, every time Lenny hits a big move, he's showboating and showboats a little bit too much, which plays into the finish of the match as Kaz capitalizes on the showboating, hits a Frankensteiner and his big senton. Like, I, you know, the two times we've seen it on Thunder, I just, the hang time he gets on that senton is like, it's beautiful. Isn't it breaks it? my brain. Yeah. Oh, it just, breaks my brain. I, I can't imagine not loving Kaz Hayashi in 1998. I'm so happy he's here. Um, we don't get a like again looking forward. We don't get like a, as much of him as we'd like, but the fact he's here at all is is a bonus. Um, we get a flashback now uh, to kind of set the scene for later on, and it's the, the fuckery from last week where where DDP had to be saved by Conan. Um, next up we have the beefy fucker derby, uh, dis- disorderly conduct versus high voltage. Uh, Lee, are you a connoisseur of disorderly conduct? I can't say I am, Dave. I really can't say. But I know I do know their names. It's Mean Mike and Tough Tom. So Mean Mike and Tough Tom, uh, they would be better known to people who don't know WCW a lot as uh, the Texas Hangmen, uh, known at the time by the much cooler names of Killer and Psycho. Uh, and they were kind of mainly in the AWA and USWA from my, okay. my brief little Googling of them. Um, what I will say about this match don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about it I have a bit to say about it well I, I will throw to you but what I <laughs> the one point I do want to make is that uh, high voltage pretty good crowd reactions I mean yeah they're, they're fucking Steiner's like fucking downgraded basically like, <laughs> of course yeah. WCW fans are going to like them yeah Aldi Steiner's like, that's exactly what they are I, do you know what it's the first thing I made note of is that this match is like a tag team match you would have seen on a tribute show in like any fucking seaside town in Britain or in Ireland, like in the fucking the nineties. You would have had the noisy yeah. boys, which is disorderly conduct, mm. versus the Steeners. Yeah. I I love so much that uh, Scott Steiner has gotten over now in this big Papa Pump White Thunder character, um, and but as a result, mult. <laughs> multiple people on the undercard on WCW are now starting to like be Scott Steiner and I'm sitting there going because we had Mike Enos wasn't it yep. like a week or two ago who was doing like had the full Scott Steiner gear and I'm looking at that and then I'm looking at this match and I'm like we already have Scott Steiner he's already on the show I know he's half dead and you know the left side of his body is in a cast but hopefully he'll recover <laughs> and then we have Scott Steiner we don't need another one but you know, well, we have you, another you, one in both. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's like way too many Steiner clones in the company already. But like, yeah. yeah no. And also, like you, you invoke. It's another problem with them invoking other people, uh, and you get the Marty Jannetty being reminded of Shawn Michaels, who is much better than him. And like, you have high voltage here, and like I said, you can't help but think about the Steiners. And then you think about how, God, the Steiners were one of the best tag teams of the last 10 or 15 years, weren't they? God, I wish I was watching the Steiners instead. <laughs> that, that, that's the problem. They just compared them to these, like, all-time greats, and they just, they can't hold up. Like, the, I'm sure they would have been a fine tag team in their own right if they were just allowed to be. Yeah. 
Mm. Fucking what? What's their names? Uh, Royd and Rage or whatever the fuck they're called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a thing. Do you know? It's something that happens in actual sports as well. A lot is that you put the moniker of somebody being like somebody. The new George them, Best. And the new Ryan Giggs. The new George Best. The, the new Cristiano Ronaldo. The new Leo Messi. The new Heather. Michael Jordan. All this sort of stuff. And very few, if any, people can ever get out from underneath mm-hmm. that shadow. Like, you you think you're doing them the favour. And sometimes it can be shorthand. You know, like, if someone were to say to me, you know, you know, if I was in college at the time and everybody was watching WCW, and I was like, oh, what are, what are high voltage like? And I'm kind of like, ah, oh, you know, they're not unlike the Steiners in some ways. I understand that it's sort of shorthand for people to understand what type of tag team they are. But it's like set but, set your oh expectations. Yeah. Like um, they mentioned that High Voltage were just on a tour in in uh, the Orient, I believe, is what they say. Yeah. And they were quite successful. So I can imagine that they would be very popular in like mid nineties New Japan because they were very much yeah. into their big beefy fuckers over there as well. Um. Mm. Also, one major problem with this match. They say yeah. that the high voltage are young guys. These two guys do not look young. Now, maybe no. maybe it's the time period that nobody looked young. But, like, yeah. I just think of... Do you remember uh, Hans Molman in The Simpsons? Where he's like, I'm, tw- <laughs> yeah. I'm 28 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is one of those, like... Like, half this roster looks about 40 and you know the under half some of them 50. could very <laughs> yeah and very well a lot of them are probably in their 20s yeah uh, which you know the road alone yeah as they say um, I did like their finish yeah to talk us through the finish then it's a springboard doomsday device and I have to say like mm. it just like it comes about kind of very suddenly like it's like they just set up a double team move and all of a sudden I think it's uh, Chaos does the springboard into the clothesline and it's just, it's over, but it looks impressive. You get, again, you can't help but compare them to LOD. If Mm, you're going to do the Doomsday device, you're going to get compared to them. Yeah. It's, look, guys, forge your own way in this business. Like, stop, stop inviting these comparisons. It's just not going to go well for you. I think for our sake, we should make a shout out to the listeners to, Mm -hmm. let's get a name for that. For that finish, for the high voltage springboard okay. doomsday device, We've, so that we bear we, mind, we no longer compare them, we let them own this move. Yeah, bear in mind we're probably going with the name Aldi Steiners for the tag team. Um, <laughs> so, if you want to get something that kind of lines up with that, the, su- then, the super then six special. So. But you don't have to use your creative license. Get back to us. What do you think that springboard doomsday device is called? At uh, WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. Um, speaking of beefy fucker appreciation night, we got a wrath match next, and it's Wrath versus Barry Horowitz. Um, did Did you know that Barry Horowitz is the real Bret Hart? Go on. Do you not know this? I uh, this this is ringing familiar bells. But uh, I, I, I'm not sure of what. One Mr. Barry Horowitz wrestled as Bret Hart. B-R-E-T-T-H-A-R-T. <laughs> and Bret Hart actually went to the same territory as him in, I think, the, like, the, the early to mid-80s. And yeah. Bret had to change his name to Buddy. Great stuff. So Barry Horowitz is indeed the real Bret Hart of WCW. 
I imagine that Brett holds a grudge with his with a notorious sense of humour loved that ah I'm sure he wasn't bitter about it at all no never a man to be bitter Brett Hart um so yeah, I, I what I loved about this was you know Barry Horowitz isn't a small guy, but uh, like, compared to the beef of Wrath, he is, and he tries to square up to Wrath, who is getting this little mini push at the moment since his return from injury, and he squares up to him, but is promptly shoulder tackled clean out of the ring. Wrath uh, chops him and boots him outside before he rolls him in, uh, hits like a slingshot shoulder tackle to him. Uh, something I noticed about Wrath here. And again, it's one of those things where, like, I, I don't want to sound like, um, you know, critiquing the physique of guys, but, like, it's the land of the giants in the 90s here. And one of my favorite things about 90s era body guys where, you know, before there was this more kind of, like, the, the modern period of people looking after themselves and keeping in good nick with, like, your CrossFits and your more kind of whole body holistic approach to fitness and things like that. 90s body guys, no, no, no. All the muscles up top skinny legs that's all they wanted <laughs> yeah it's like that's why they, Le- that's why they all wore long long tights and uh, the singlets that came down to their knees yeah. basically yeah or or they had like those kind of almost Steve Austin sized knee braces to cover most of it like it, I just it was the first time I'd noticed about Wrath like he look he looks like he would tip over I don't know where his centre of gravity is because he's just got these tiny little stems and it's just like boulders up top um but fair play to him anyway uh he the barry attempts to fight back uh but this doesn't go very well he gets his bell like it looks like there's a shoulder tackle here right before the meltdown where it looks like he clocks him clean in the forehead with his shoulder Dave, he, he uh, does the and shoulder it, and he lands on his face like he, he, he yeah. shoulder tackles horowitz and as rat is coming down he lands on barry horowitz's face with his like his forearm or his shoulder whatever it is and yeah, it Horowitz looked like it sucked. Yeah. yeah. Um hits the meltdown for the win. <laughs> Fucking uh, meltdown. <laughs> we get next a, a dramatic vignette with suspenseful music uh of Saturn. Uh, and he's explaining that he didn't think he was going to lose by interference to Lodi, because kind of the question is, why did you you know why did you agree to this stipulation in the first place and I just found this very funny where I can believe he'd go I didn't think Canyon was going to cost me the match but I refuse to believe that Saturn didn't think he was going to lose by interference to Lodi man from the stable where everyone interferes all the fucking time well I mean it was Lodi's like, rules so who was, how was yeah. Saturn to know that Lodi's rules would include <laughs> interference and copious amounts yeah. of it you know what? Maybe I'm being too harsh on that. I mean, that's, but the interview with Saturn's a clever, a clever guy. He just got outsmarted. Yeah, uh, he was. He was. He was pretty good in the interview. Apart from that, he's talking about you know lessons he's learned throughout his life about keeping his word, uh, and something that um, something that they kind of mentioned two or three times on this show now is that Saturn used to be an Army Airborne Ranger that he has accomplished over 100 jumps in, in, in during his service. And the way they really ham that up two or three times in this show, like I said, makes you feel like Eric Bischoff found out that day. I was like, oh, we need to tell them. We need to tell them that you did 100 jumps because fucking hell, like this is they like, we fucking in, get it. In that sit down interview, yeah. three times he says, I was an army ranger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it, it really, like, 
I do. It's like, I don't it's like Bischoff have... only met him that day and said, "So what did you do before wrestling?" I was an army ranger. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even have the words army airborne ranger or completed over one hundred jumps written down on the notes because they told me so many times I remembered it. And like in some again, in some ways, good on them because now I know that about Saturn, I definitely will not forget it. But fucking hell, like that's a lot of repeated information mm-hmm. in one two hour program. Uh, next up, we have Meng versus Raven with the Flock and Saturn. Uh, Canyon me, comes Dave, out. That's Raven, yeah. the mad champion. <laughs> oh yes, of course. I forgot all this. How how could you forget? But, I keep forgetting that it's gone to, to mad now. I know that I've started writing down at the bottom the, the title history of the Martial Arts Division Linear Championship. And I now have it down that it's Raven at the moment. Okay. But I keep forgetting that you've changed it to mad. Yeah, it's uh, the mad Also, I forget a bit of being relevant because technically Raven wasn't so much in this match. Because Canyon Dave, reveals it's actually a handicap Dave, match. It, it's, it's Raven versus Ming. He says it's a handicap match. He doesn't say how many handicaps there is. Uh, no, look, I'm not letting... No, no this is a title match. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Yes, it no, is. I'm not. I no. I uh, will listen, let a lot I, of this shit slide. I am the banished aura of this. No, I'm not. No, I'm overruling it. Like no, because Saturn doesn't. Or not Saturn. Sorry, Raven does not get pinned in this. He doesn't have to get pinned in the title match. Oh, for God, he wasn't even in the match. He listen. It was announced as Ming versus Raven. It's Raven's rules. Uh, Canyon says it's a handicap match. This is... You obviously were just looking for an excuse to get this onto Meng. <laughs> I am not looking for an excuse for anything. I don't know where this goes. I'm just embracing the <laughs> madness of it all seems, this. It, it seems a lot like you were trying to manipulate this going down a certain direction or that you're trying to avoid it going on to somebody else. <laughs> and I don't know which it is. How the I don't hell know. am I supposed to know where this goes from here? Meng might not show up for another three months. Who knows? It could end up on Hacksaw. Oh, God. Perish the fucking thought. Canyon reveals anyway that it's actually a handicap match uh, as Riggs and Sick Boy come in to get... And they just promptly get murdered. Then uh, Horace and his stop sign, who I am now referring to as Stoppy, uh, came in next. He's just killed straight away. Sick Boy is back. He gets choked out. Raven insists that the ref count the pin. As he shouts... As he shouts atrocious <laughs> <laughs> then R- Raven makes La- uh, Lodi and Saturn go in and the two uh, Saturn and Meng throw bombs at each other before Canyon throws a kick at the back of his head and Meng chokes him out and uh, then I love the line from uh, I think it was Tony saying look at the arrogant smile of that jerk <laughs> Yeah, um, and we have a new Mads champion. Ah, oh, for God's sake. This is a fucking sham. The integrity of this championship is... I'm calling it into question. Well, I'll tell you what. Seeing as you're so aggrieved by this, yeah. we will put this up to another vote from the listeners. It's supposed, look, it's supposed... My case is, like, this is supposed to be the martial arts division. Like, not fucking, like bullshit championship or like multi-men like where the guy doesn't even get pinned I want this to be like I'm willing to go with you on the 
you know, the last time we had this discussion, I think it was either a three-way or a four, a four-way, wasn't it? And I didn't want it up for grabs, but but you did, because my original envisioning of this championship was that it's martial arts, it's a contest between two people, and it should be a singles match. But I'll go with you on the multi-man matches if the guy is directly involved in the match, and it isn't just a bait-and-switch pile of wank like this was. And this Raven is, look, told a referee to count him look, out. Look, look. This is irrespective of the storyline progression, which I do appreciate. We'll talk about that in a second. But this wasn't, like, I, I don't give a fuck what they said on the wagering. This was not a Raven match. I, I, like, I'm, I do not recognise the validity of this title switch. I, I'm prepared for the fucking Thunder Buddies to amass up against me on this one. Because that just feels like the way this shit is going lately for me. Listen, they all know I'm right. That That's the... But... Listen, uh, we'll put it up and whoever contact, like, we won't put it up as a poll, but yeah. we want people to add us on Twitter and l- let us know how they feel. Is this a valid, mad title match? I, I want, feel like, that I, we I'll have. I'll go with it, the madness of it. Like I said, it. <laughs> nah, I'm. I, this is horseshitly. Horseshit is what I'm calling on this. Look, at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter, let us know what you think. And <laughs> if enough people say no, Dave is right. I will agree that we'll we'll throw out this match and say, okay, Raven wasn't part of it. But if people say I am right, and they will <laughs> Ming is the new Mad Champion. You should be made to pay for your hubris here of assuming that you're going to win in a landslide. I, I, yeah, I just, I like, I've put the case forward. Like, I, I feel like he should, he should be the one pinned or he should at least be actually in the match he where the he match. loses. He, Is, he just happened to stay. He was, he fucked. He stayed on the outside was, for all of it, that's it. Lee, Lee, I was in the match as much as he was. Fucking Listen, nonsense of the highest he, order. He said handicap under Raven rules and that's what it was. Speaking of horseshit, there's a Saturday night tease. <laughs> Kurt Hennig, DDP, and many other top stars will be there tonight uh, on Saturday night. Uh, we come back from the break, I and Saturn this. is still I kind of love this. Stru- <laughs> this this is great. We 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 are back on the same page with this match because Canyon versus Saturn happened. So Saturn is uh, took his beating at the end of the last segment. He's still in the ring. And you just hear Canyon's music. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? So Canyon comes out and the commentators inform us that now it's Canyon versus Saturn. Uh, And Saturn is like struggling, struggling to get upright. Um, And Canyon is immediately on him. Hits like an inverted electric chair. Um, This is also the first appearance on Thunder anyway of the what would become notorious slogan, who better than Canyon? Although this is kind of... It's who is better than Canyon at this stage. So uh, and, uh, that's worth knowing loved, for historical significance. I absolutely loved Canyon as he's choking Saturn, screams that into the camera, who was better than Canyon? And Tony Schiavone, yeah. without missing a beat, <laughs> I'll give you 10 or 12 guys right now. Yeah. And to, all I can think yeah. is, okay, Tony, calm down. Like, you yeah. know, he, he's a heel. <laughs> yeah. He, he goes, yeah, I'll give you 10 or 12 guys. Plus that guy in the ring. Saturn is better than Canyon. And then like Bobby Heenan of all people realizes that he's gone too far in the burial and kind of like under his breath almost goes, but he's not bad. 
it's like oh, Tony got totally invested Tony's like us with this story he's like he's all in yeah. on Saturn <laughs> yeah uh, Tony in that moment was me two minutes ago <laughs> but yeah th- this match this is this is the kind of shit we want on Thunder yeah this is storyline progression and a good match uh, in the process as well you've got uh, Canyon hitting his wild shit that he seems to come up with on the spot like a twisting wheelbarrow suplex Canyon is hitting move after move. The story is that Saturn won't stay down. It's fun. Like, what I love about Canyon, like, he takes such arrogant pride in being the move inventor. Every time he hits one of these and he goes for a cover, he has a smug face in him or a really casual, loose pin. And he's, like, almost counting along. This is it. And Saturn kicks out every time. And every time he does it, he just gets a little bit more annoyed Mm -hmm. and a little bit more annoyed. Um, and, And then I love it because, right, so... We'll talk about, because it happens in the main event every week on Thunder, we'll talk about when a bait and switch, when you're promised to finish, is not good in those circumstances. But sometimes, sometimes, it is good. And this was a bait and switch that made absolute sense and put the right kind of heat on the heels because Saturn mounts a fiery comeback. The crowd are getting into it. They're like, yes, he's going to beat Canyon. He's going to fucking show them. He's going to build momentum coming into the pay-per-view. Lodi gets up on the apron. Raven is quite literally in his ear and telling Saturn to stop. Screaming at him. Tell him. Tell him. Yeah. And says, I want to see a flatliner. I want you to take a flatliner. For a moment, the right kind of moment, Saturn looks like he's about to snap. And eventually he just like, fuck this because he knows his pride means Mm -hmm. more to him. And he just opens up his body, opens his arms wide Canyon hesitant thinking it might be a trap which is a nice little moment from him walks in hits the flatliner um, pins him him, huge smile, the smile on Canyon's face as he pins him it's just like this whole thing from the the Saturn sit down interview to the end of this match it's like three or four segments yeah fucking tremendous it's the best stuff on this show it's been the best stuff for weeks i am fucking oh i love this this is just it's the right kind of heat and it's just building and building and how can you not be invested and want certain to fucking rip all their heads off yeah it's mostly like and there's even other stuff that kind of like furthers along stuff that's happening like interflock drama Mm -hmm. obviously notable by his absence as kidman you've got the idea that like um raven when he tells horace to get in he's like well this is his opportunity to win his way back Mm -hmm. into his favor in the flock um so that stuff is being furthered along um yeah I love this one thing that kind of like is more subtle than all that that I really loved in this match is Raven's positioning during this match Mm -hmm. so Raven for the majority of this segment is stood completely still right directly in the center of the hard cam on the outside of the ring just staring a hole through Saturn and I think I I think just Bobby that says it he's like Raven has not taken his eyes off Saturn no matter what's gone on he has not taken his eyes off certain the whole time. He it's a thing where like he's not doing the theatrical professional wrestling and playing to the cheap seats, exaggerating everything. He's just still. He's just looking. He's staring. And as soon as things go bad, then he, he hops into action. Yeah. yeah. 
and it shows what a like an evil genius he is it shows what a shit heap he is and it shows like it shows a lot about the man's character just in his positioning and the way he acts during this match and like i said he doesn't the way he acts so subtly without kind of being theatrical about it doesn't draw your eye away from the match but just does enough to constantly remind you like he is he is hovering over this match mm-hmm. um, it's his presence it's brilliant. his presence over all of this the whole storyline like yeah. everything like you said the horror stuff Canyon turning yeah. to a side Lodi is almost yeah. reluctant to tell Saturn what to do until Raven mm. nudges him and tells him what to do it's it's yeah. all just so it's not all subtle but the, mm. the bits that are it's just like oh I'm just so I yeah. really can't wait to get to the pay-per-view to see what happens yeah it's something that like I'm looking back now and I'm like I said I'm reading Death of WCW again and I've obviously since the company closed um, nearly 20 years ago you hear this and that and people talking about the ups and downs and highs and lows of WCW. And when you hear about long-term storytelling in WCW, the, 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 this era of WCW, the two you always hear about are the Goldberg streak and Sting in the rafters for a year. And it feels really unfair to me that, this gets that Raven isn't yeah. right up along... Mm-hmm. When I, when I think of the way people talk about the flock over the years, they talk about it as being like a heap of shit. And, you know, like obviously it isn't, with the exception of Raven and um, Canyon and Kidman, it's not exactly a stable with people who are going to win you match of the year mm-hmm. all the time. But we've pointed out before that this is a long-term story that has effectively been happening since we started this podcast. Yep. Uh, it, it cools down sometimes and then it's heated back up, you know, depending on, on what is needed that particular month. And it's worth noting that we're this impressed with it and we're only getting half the story. Yeah. It's the it's the only angle in this company that carries over. The only major yeah. angle. Well, one, that carries one of the very few that carries over. And two, they do such a good job telling a story every time there's a segment that I don't feel like I'm missing big gaps. Like I'm tuning into Thunder and, and Raven through a promo or through things he's doing in this segment or the way the things are booked out. I know what's going on here, you know? Um, like it feels so at odds with the amount of times we've had somebody just show up and they're a champion now or they're a heel now and we have to kind of go, oh, well, what happened there? What happened there? Um and they get so there there are so few flashbacks to nitro that where you have to explain what was going on with the flock i think the only major ones i can think of were like um when he was trying to talk mortis into joining mm-hmm. the flock they showed that clip over and over again but other than that it's like one continuous story where they're telling the story so well they don't have to hold your hand and the fact that we feel this is a full, rich story that we've been enjoying while we're only seeing the less mm-hmm. important half of televised WCW is is a credit to the man. Um, someone we have said before is one of the great underrated minds uh, in the business. You know, we hype up Jericho mm-hmm. all the time on this show, but like right there with him and a guy who like... It's. I know he's got a lot of problems, and there are a lot of people who don't like him. You know, because he's. People say he's quite abrasive and annoying, but like, it. 
boggles the mind that somebody hasn't kind of mined that man's brain for gold at this point because he just he just gets it yeah he do you know what it might not happen you know this year it might not happen next year might not happen the year after that but at one point I can see Tony Khan reaching out to Raven yeah and mining what he can from Raven because like like you just went through it all there like you can't not recognise just how brilliant the storytelling is like like we just went over there he's standing still on the hard camera and just staring and it's the most captivating thing on this show because in that instant he's selling hatred he's selling fear he's he's like he's just with his lack of movement is telling you all you need to know about the story and that's genius and that like somebody at some point before Raven does and like hopefully it's a long time away I'm not wishing that on him but before this man finishes his time on earth he needs to play a major role in the wrestling business again because he has something to offer yeah, and he was in and around AEW because remember he was in the crowd when they were doing the Dark Order yeah. stuff, and people thought maybe he would have been the exalted one. Um, uh, and yeah, like he's just a guy that like, holy shit, um, before his time is, oh, is yeah. the best way of summing up. Like you know, and that's before you even get into talking about his ECW stuff as well. You know, um, but anyway, look, we we'll move on. We've we've gushed over Raven enough times on this show. I, I think. Uh, I think people have got the message at this point. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, Brian Adams versus Dean Malenko, or not. Uh, doesn't even get started because Hennig jumps him on the ramp with Rude kind of sauntering in tow. Uh, Adams, delighted with himself, now takes his time, beating on uh, Malenko, slowly bringing him back to the, the ring. Uh, Rick Rude has chicken wire from a cage here. Uh, they get to the ring and the ref is already dead. That's um, in Kurt Henning had knocked him out off camera. Yeah, yeah. It was just funny that like it cuts to the ring for the first time in this segment and there's just a corpse in the ring. Uh, the bell rings as Malenko attempts to fight the three of them off but the numbers game proves too much. Uh, Henning then gets on the mic. He says Malenko needs help uh, uh, hang on, hang on. but lays more boots into him as a trainer is trying to I, help I him. I think you, you missed the most important part, Dave. Go for it. Before Henning even gets on the mic, the thing that puts Malenko down, now he gets ran shoulder forced into the ring post by, by Henning, gets rolled back in, and as Henning is asking for the mic, in the background, Rick Rude hits the Rude Awakening. Yes, because uh, Tony has a line about, her, oh my God, how long has it been since we've seen that? And he calls it a swinging neckbreaker. He gets the fucking name wrong. Yeah. And he hits the pose as well. Yeah, he does. He does the the the, the hip swivel and ah, oh, like yeah. it's the moment we've been waiting for after seeing like this duo yeah. for so long. And Henning or uh, Rude finally hits the move, and it's like so like dead. Yeah, this is such a shame. He says that he's already closed the door on the horseman. Uh, says no one in this company is man enough to face him in a cage. There will be no cage match. They drop the fence on top of Malenko, lays in the boots, mm-hmm. and then my favorite yeah. part of this whole segment, apart from the rude awakening, mm-hmm. Kurt Hennig struts out of the ring singing, Nobody, Nobody does it better. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. Like, and my God, it's brilliant. 
it is it is such a shame that both of these men, oh. uh, Hennig and and Rude, obviously their bodies had had let them down mm-hmm. at this point, and they couldn't go like they used to. Holy shit! These two guys, as an asshole tag oh, team, I was like just about this, to say the same thing. Ah, oh, forget the rest hexes and rednecks. I want these two just being absolute fucking dickheads to everybody. I just want them just picking on people. Yeah. I, I thought the kind of the cage bit was a little bit of a dumb prop, but I was loving the second beside that. And then when he starts singing as he's rolling and kind of like, you know, adjusting the wrist tape as he's doing it, like, I just thought, you are, whoa, you are a fucking dickhead. Fair play. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just fantastic. Um, it was perfect. That's the kind of, they didn't do the WCW thing of letting the match run for five minutes no. so that you'd get interested in Dimalenko winning and then doing that. They just fucking got straight to the point. Appreciate this. This kind of three segments in a row of the flock stuff uh, over two segments and this this is by far the best portion of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed this. Um, we're back from the break now and Tony says that during this next match there's going to be information regarding... Uh, what happened in the last segment uh, Riggs staggering out celebrating his death by throat earlier uh, this match is Riggs versus Norman Smiley and I was really hoping it would have been very funny if in uh, Jeff Hardy versus Sting fashion that Riggs gets into the ring selling his neck and just the ref throws up the X and calls <laughs> off the match unfortunately not no yeah it's dumber than that kind of like well it's dumber than that, but then the commentary puts a good sheen on it because they um, Riggs immediately goes to work and stops selling the throat. And I was like, oh, fuck. Because we've talked about it on the show before. It's like one of the things I hate the most, and it's a big, big WWE thing that they do. It's, it's honking in their matches all the time where nobody sells anything properly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have a guy either gets killed to fucking death on a pay-per-view and shows up just fine on, on Raw, maybe a tiny little bandage or something on it. Uh, or somebody who gets their limb worked for 20 minutes of a main event and then, oh, it's time for the finish. Shakes I'm off. miraculously yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, the only, the, the major exception I remember to that is that uh, Kevin Owens would always limp. still sell the limb. Remember, uh, was, it, was it Royal Rumble 2018 where him and Ambrose opened the show in like a hardcore match or something for the IC title? Yes. And then Owens, yeah. I think he comes in at like 27 or something and he's yeah. still limping in the Rumble. Yeah, he was like dragging the dead leg behind him. Oh. Yeah. It was fantastic. But anyway, this match, Riggs versus Norman Smiley, as I said, uh, he's apparently no longer dead. Uh, Tanay kind of covers over that and says he thinks it's a ploy from uh, Riggs to kind of uh, make Norman Smiley think that, oh, look, this is going to be a walk in the park. And then he surprises him. Um, Tony says uh, after the last segment and the beatdown that happened, he's going to confirm that there will be a Hennig versus Malenko match on Nitro in Pensacola, Florida. And I'm kind of like, look, I understand for several reasons. I know Bischoff is obsessed with ratings and the tide has started to turn at this point. The 83 week streak was broken a few weeks ago, as we said. Mm -hmm. And that's why we got the Georgia Dome Nitro with the title switch. And I know because we've got Fall Brawl and we've got War Games, there's going to be a double cage. So you can't really have a double cage match just for like, there's not enough room in the roof to store the double cage and to have the single cage as well. 
I know the practical reasons why they can't save this for the pay-per-view. But fuck's sake, a cage match between these two on what I suppose is very loosely a year of build should be on a pay-per-view and not on Nitro. And that kind of irks me. I know they haven't really put in the effort to, to sell people on this being a main event by any stretch because they forgot about it for 11 months. But still, it feels like something that should be a big deal. I'm going to annoy you further here, Dave. What What's the point of a cage match? <laughs> uh, either to keep somebody in or keep somebody out. Okay. Uh, so is, is one function of it. And then the other one is that it's the big blow off because it's such a violent career shortening match. Do you believe that there will be no interference in that cage match? Uh, I... In WCW, I... I believe that cage matches almost guarantee interference. Okay, so here's my point. Why do the fucking match in the first place? Just make it a normal match. It doesn't need to be a cage match. Just do it on the pay-per-view. Henning versus Malenko. It's a feud. Or if you're going to do... You could do the normal match this month. And if you wanted to do a cage match, do that next Mm -hmm. month. This is the other thing. is because the cage match is the last match in the feud. The stip match ends the feud. So why is it like we'll forget about it for 11 months and then the first match is the cage match and it's on free TV and it's got four days built. <laughs> you know? Yep. It, it's just, this is, this is WCW in a nutshell, I, I guess. We shouldn't expect better, but, you know, that's what it is. But hey, Norm, Norman Smiley showed up. <laughs> yeah. This match is kind of just there. Notable for a Norman Smiley appearance. We'll get a lot more of him as the years go on on Thunder. Um, Tanae really doing a hell of a job trying to sell, like, Smiley is this well-traveled student of the game. You know, he's trying to do a lot of holds Mm -hmm. here and rolls up. Like, Timothy Thatcher, he is not. But, like, (laughs) I'm appreciating that it's a bit of a change of Mm flavour, at least, what he's trying to do here. Now, granted, if he was in there with somebody who wasn't Riggs, maybe it would have been a lot better. Who's to say? Um, what What did you think of the of the like German suplex attempt that somehow went into Riggs falling on his knees? It was really weird. I feel like Riggs didn't know what he was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if he had sold it, like if he had done it and kind of landed in like a flapjack, landed like on his face or something like that, it might have looked better. But landed on his knees, I'm like that kind of looks like maybe. Uh, Norman Smiley fucked himself but up. then I'm looking at it going the finish was an e-bar so was that planned I d- uh, maybe Smiley planned it and didn't and it just looked fucking it just looked shit and he never did it again maybe yeah yeah it's a roll through into a grapevine that's kind of like it's it's halfway between like a heel hook a knee bar and an ankle lock it, you know and at various points it's like <laughs> They were calling it a ankle lock for a while, and then the replay, I think Tony just gave up and went, submission hold. Um, and what I appreciated about this was Norman Smiley. As the referee raised his hand, he kind of almost half in disbelief goes, I'm a winner! <laughs> uh, which I liked. And that's kind of like shades of the, what the, the ridiculous Norman Smiley character we get uh, not too long in the distant future. Uh, next up, we have the Dancing Fools versus the Armstrongs. Scott and Stephen. Boy, is it surreal looking at referee Scott Armstrong way back in 98 as body guy Armstrong wrestler. Y- you say surreal, um, I say awful. Yeah, oh no, awful, for sure. And this match was awful. 
Um, and the commentary, this is the point at which, you know, you get these points on Thunder sometimes where the three lads are just bored and they just start burying each other. And um, the Armstrongs. And <laughs> yeah, and there's one bit where they start trying to gang up on... Uh, or where Bobby starts to gang up on the other two by himself. I know that's not ganging up, but like Bobby is just like talking. Bobby is a one man gang around himself, yeah. Shivani. Yeah. Uh, and Tony goes, uh, God, you know, you talk about the commentator's curse and we have the Tanae Shivani curse because every time we commentate, Bobby's here, which I, I was like, that is surprisingly good from Tony. It's not great, but it's, you know, for dad jokes, Shivani, that's pretty witty. What did, what did you think of um, Tanae asking Bobby did he know what the Armstrong course meant? Yeah, ex- explain what, what happened here between the two. So, so as the match is going on, like they, they're talking about the Armstrong course and and Bobby just blurts out, well, I don't believe in it. And he's like, well, do you know what it means? Do you know what the Armstrong course is? He goes, yeah, of course I do. And Tanae says, well, explain it. He goes, look at their faces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Bobby so much. Um, This match was just... Oh my god, it was so dull. It was both like you all, <laughs> both both being heels. Yeah, like why? But both being heels and both doing like heel tag wrestling one on one. So like you always have, uh, in most tag matches, you have the guy the heel team who does the the quick tags thing and wearing down the guy and cutting off the corners. Both teams were doing it in this match. It was like the two of them were in separate matches and it was like photoshopped together. It was so fucking weird. And they just kept doing the quick tag double team bit. Then the other team would do the quick tag double team bit. Went back and forth for what felt like an hour. But I think this match was like six minutes. Um, I, I wish the ref would have just thrown it out and just said, ah, you're <laughs> this is bollocks. <laughs> Off you go, lads. You got your payday. Um, then Scott accidentally wipes out Steve. Um... Alex Wright comes in, they do double team moves and they do their face buster neck breaker combo for the win and thankfully it was over. Um, not great here from the Armstrongs, that's for sure. Um, and now we're up, our, our Thunder Armstrong count is at three um, after the, the arrival of the two lads here. Uh, main event time, it's Stevie Ray and the Giant versus DDP and Conan. I wonder, Lee, how this will end. The bell rings with some discussion on both sides. I love this. The two teams, this match, we knew about this match from the start of the show. Both teams come out. And you would think if this was legit, that, you know, strategies would have been thought of backstage. The bell rings and both teams go into like huddles together to decide who's going to start. And like, it's not like a, you'll get a lot of teams go kind of just do the nod and go, I'll go first and stuff like that. You see that a lot in tag matches, but this was mm-hmm. like proper, like they come out and go, oh yeah, fuck, who's going to start first? And they had to figure it out. Um, and it, it ends up being determined that it's going to be Conan versus Stevie. Um, and I don't know if that's I, going to... I will, I will say, Dave. Yeah. I'm guessing they're just trying to kill time without taking any bumps. You know what, Lee? You might be onto something there. Um... <laughs> And I don't know if Conan versus Stevie is the worst combination you could have had out of these four men. Certainly not the best. Um, I, what I love here, again, is like, um, even though he hasn't been on the show at all, um, commentary, rather than talk about this match, almost as if they know, like, this is going to be horseshit. I don't, we don't want to get the crowd invested in this. We're watching at home. They just start talking about the warrior again. Um, so why? Yeah. Uh, and th- this is what this is where I wrote in my notes. I, I can I just say I'm thankful that we haven't had the warrior all over Thunder yet. Um mm-hmm. what <laughs> Conan at one point just like sasses the giant who gets tagged in, but DDP decides he wants some of the giant. 
And in kind of the, the only real bit of babyface fire in the match, uh, DDP gets in and just starts slugging at the giant, uh, but then eats a lariat. Uh, giant beats him down until Paige scores like a tornado DDT and the commentators didn't know what to make of it because he hits the DDT but they're trying to go well like was he slammed or did he DDT they completely lost the run of what what was supposed to be going on there Uh, Paige crawls onto him for the pin because both of them have been laid out by the DDT and uh, Giant does his throw the man off him to break the pin uh, Conan is in to try and take down the giant but he basically gets swatted away like a child uh, and Stevie comes in DDP and gets a hot tag a yeah. uh, takes out the giant rebound diamond cutter on Stevie which Stevie takes like absolute shit takes it onto his knees uh, giant breaks it up uh, and the B team are out to cause surprise surprise a disqualification in an NWO main event on Thunder Um it's a weird thing this match and I'll, I'll ask you for your takes on it in a second Lee but it's like it's very strange that like obviously Stevie is now in the NWO and the last month or so he's getting this kind of monster push like it he's he's getting pushed as much as anybody in this company at the moment that isn't Warrior or Goldberg it feels like he's all over TV he's had a belt but sort of not had a belt he got the alleged shine of joining the uh, the NWO. He's been beating people left, right and centre. And then he comes into this match and it just feels like he's just another one of the B-team now. What did you think of this? I thought it fucking sucked. For a match they built up from the week previous, like they couldn't even deliver a fucking finish in the main event. Yeah. Like, I know we should know not to expect it, but like... Yeah. Come on, you, you've built this match. Like, it's the same fucking taping. Mm. Just have DDP pin Stevie with the cutter. It builds to the cage match. Yeah. You then say, DDP has pinned somebody that's in the match. Yeah. Would would the Giant have really lost anything by eating a pin here? Like, even if it was a thing I, where DDP and Conan dogpiled him for a pin so that he still looked strong. But even, even if the Giant pinned Conan... Who fucking cares? Yeah, especially yeah, especially the giant is, is facing off with Goldberg to end the show. Yeah, Co- like just have the giant win the match. Yeah, or and Conan, as you said, of the four, is the guy who could like, it's not going to damage him one way. Like he's Conan. Like people don't like him because he wins matches. Like Stevie, like the one person, the two people I would say that shouldn't be losing this match are DDP and Stevie Ray, because Stevie Ray is obviously in the middle of his push, and DDP is one of the captains going into the cage. Um, but other than that do what you want just give us a finish it's so inconsequential as you say um, and I think something I'm going to institute so we have our finish counter we have our mad championship and something I want to do is I'm going to keep count of the streak of thunders we don't get clean finishes on so I will reset the counter if we get a, a, a main event finish and the streak will go as long as there are DQs. Now, I want to say in the back of my head, I will go back through my notes. Uh, so for our next show, I will have the count as it stands. But I want to say we're at at least three in a row at the moment um, of, of fuck finishes. Oh, it, feel, on a fuck. it feels like it, yeah. Yeah. And I would say if I were to go all the way back, which I will be at some point in my notes for a data project I want to do on 1998 Thunder. I would say the majority of the 30 Thunders we've watched so far have either had DQs or non-finishes. And definitely, mm-hmm. even when there have been clean finishes, there are run-ins at like 3.1. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things. And it, 
you know, it's the third time I've mentioned that I'm rereading Death of WCW at the moment, but it's something that uh, Alvarez and Reynolds point out a lot, is that this was happening on Nitro as well, is that it's another one of the, like, the dichotomies in the way that WCW think. So WCW are, they're so ratings obsessed that they're building pay-per-views for TV. But at the same time, they're not giving you finishes on TV. You know, the rare exception, you have Goldberg winning uh, the belt there uh, on the in the Georgia Dome and stuff like that. But if TV, if, if you're not building to the pay-per-view, well, do your fuck finishes on the pay-per-view. Do you know, like, if TV is your priority, give us fucking finishes. Give us stuff that matters, mm. you know. And it's part of, obviously, you know, again, the 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 thing people say about wrestling, like when it's hot, there's nothing you can do wrong. And when it's cold, there's nothing you can do right. But at the moment they're hot. So this isn't having the burnout effect it would have later, but fuck me. It's just like, it's so fucking exhausting. And it's no wonder to me that people were starting to switch around. And I know, look, I remember WWF from when I was a kid and I know a lot of main events had fuck finishes there, but even when they had fuck finishes, the majority, not all, but the majority of the time I was tuning into Raw and SmackDown as a young fella, I felt I there was an important thing on this show that I'm happy I tuned in for. You know, there'd be like something like a very largely inconsequential SmackDown, but it ends with like the DX Express being blown up or something. Like, you know what I mean? There's always yeah, something. Whereas on this is just a B team running in and it's nothing. This is a show that, like, since the very start of this show, they were building this tag match. And they just pulled the rug out from underneath you. It'd be one thing if they just said the match was happening, never referenced it again, and it wasn't important. But this match was important because it, it starts telling the story for War Games, which is presumably your big pay-per-view match. And mm-hmm. this is just this is just the way WCW operate. And, you know, it, it's... It's not a spoiler to say this company would be dead in a couple of years. And this is not the reason why, but it's a reason. Like, it's just you start over time thinking to yourself in 1998, why am I tuning in for the final segment of this show? The ones, again, the the, the top of the hour segments, the final segment of the show are the ones that... Bischoff and the like are really obsessing about the audience retention and things like that but Mm -hmm. right now you're conditioning your audience that you could probably knock it off half an hour before the end of the show there's going to be a B team run in there's no point in you staying so what I'm sure if I went back and looked in the observer or looked at the Nielsen ratings from the time I'm sure eventually there is a massive fucking drop off in the second hour of this show it might not even be the second hour I'd say if you were able to get like the quarter hours, you'd see the the last quarter hour, people probably drop away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just look. You know, we could we could talk about it forever, but yeah, it's it's really disappointing. Um. The as you alluded to there, uh, Lisa, the the DQ happens, but then Goldberg is here. Uh, sprints out before his music really gets going. Hits a very awkward looking spear in Brian Adams, who is just like just so shitty. Um. <laughs> He press slams Vincent, who really didn't want to go up for it, and then stares down Giant as we go off the air, and then they did have a dark match where Goldberg beat him for the title. So this is another thing that backs up what you say, is that, like, 
there was no harm in Giant winning or being beaten because as soon as the cameras go off the air, the entire live crowd were getting to see Giant get pinned anyway. Mm-hmm. So what did it fucking matter? You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but that is another episode of, of Days of Thunder, the 30th episode of Days of Thunder in the bag. Uh, Lee, give me your winners and losers on this programme. Easy. Winners are Canyon, Saturn and Raven because that story is mm fucking phenomenal and I'm so invested in it and yeah. the losers are I mean it, it's the main event it's yeah. it's DDP it's Stevie Ray because yeah. they now feel like nothing remember how much we gushed about the reactions mm-hmm. that DDP was getting in yep. in January February 1998 like he mm-hmm. felt like organically the guy and it's one of the many side effects of how they rushed this Goldberg thing is that everybody else got brushed aside now obviously mm-hmm. when something is hot you have to go with it but we talked about and we read from the Observer and Dave saying about how much money was left on the table because before the Goldberg thing became too big to ignore and before they got beaten by Raw so Bischoff reacted by booking this title match Hogan was being pulled in the direction of a match with Brett um, DDP was being pulled in the direction of a feud with Hogan. Um, you know, people had plans um, and it was all just thrown off. And in isolation, I don't disagree with going with the hottest guy in the company. But, you know, in the long term, it obviously had negative effects that now DDP is twisting in the wind and thinking about him as like the WCW captain who's sort of in league with the Wolfpack a little bit is the best they can come up with. Whereas for me, and thankfully... You know, not to spoil things too far down the line, he does get a very good main event um, match mm-hmm. for a title soon enough. But it really feels like this guy should have been one of the one or two biggest names on this brand at this stage, on the trajectory he was on originally. And they nerfed him to feed Hogan's ego and to try and beat Raw with a different match. You know, and, and I just feel bad for him. Yeah, it, it, it literally all the juice feels like it's gone from. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, look, I hate to say it's sad because we know where this all ends up. Yeah. But, like, the guy was genuinely hot. They had three hot babyface acts. Mm. Sorry, four. We'll say they have, they've had four since January. Yeah. They've had Goldberg. Mm-hmm. They've had Sting at the start of the year, was hot as fuck. Yeah. They had Booker and they had DDP. Yeah. Two of them were main eventers. Mm-hmm. DDP was bubbling right under he was right there yeah and Booker was building yeah all they had to do was maintain them for yeah and they had years worth of fucking baby faces and you know what else they had they had the wolf pack who like are still quite popular but like you remember the reactions they were getting the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. it's not the same now and I know this was again this is the second of a double bill of taping so the crowd was slightly muted anyway but it's it's just in recent weeks it's not the same people are happy to see Conan they're happy to see Nash they're happy to see Luger happy to hear the song and oh, yeah. it's great and, but it, do you know what they've gone from my god the NWO has split to hmm. oh here comes the red NWO yeah it, do you know what it feels like Lee and it feels like something and it's something bookers have over many many years failed to understand the difference between and that's fans reacting because they're genuinely excited or fans reacting because they know this is the point in the show where they're supposed to cheer for the thing. 
you know and that's what you know ddp isn't you know he's getting the kind of yay ddp is here but the wolf pack is one in particular i'm thinking of like people were giddy for the wolf pack at the start and now it's like oh i'm supposed to cheer the wolf pack so i'll cheer the wolf pack um and you know it, it feels like it's a similar kind of trajectory where they burned so hot they had no fucking idea how to maintain it and and now kind of because nothing can ever be bigger than hogan you know yeah and that was the problem yeah um and nothing can ever like eventually you know you know hogan isn't the only one who is trying like hell to preserve their spot and you know we see what happens to goldberg coming up real soon um but yeah it's it's just like it's an absolute mess uh, an absolute mess uh, our finish counter brought to you by ludwig borga we've got 10 matches six clean finishes one dq two interference leading to a finish and one non-finish um that is going to do it for another episode of days of thunder thanks for tuning in uh, we're at wcw thunderpod on twitter is, is where you want to go individually i'm at the day to dave lee is at malone underscore 713 please um as we've kind of reached out a couple of times for different things on this program do get in touch with us uh it's genuinely one of our favorite things interacting with um with the thunder buddies on twitter it, it keeps us going uh we like you said like there have been times where not even with the show just with that the kind of mired in the shite of life or one of us isn't mm-hmm. having a good day and then we we see somebody has retweeted us and recommended us to somebody or somebody has mentioned us and just the idea that people are out there and they're thinking about us and they're enjoying the podcast is genuinely a very nice feeling and it's why we keep doing it obviously it's not the fucking paychecks uh <laughs> <laughs> of which there are none um but we, we do it for the love of it and we do it uh, for the listeners as well. So please do interact with us. And as I often say, tell a friend because that tried and true, I've been listening to podcasts since I was 15 years old. And the, the easiest way to get other people listening to a podcast is if somebody recommends it. So, yeah. um, you know, every time you recommend a podcast, a Thunder Buddy gets their wings. Um, so that's <laughs> it's how we've gotten so far. Like, you know, we can see it from our perspective, looking at the mentions. Every time we grow, it's because people keep talking about how much fun they're having, uh, checking out the show from the start or that they've just stumbled upon it. Um, so word of mouth does work and we, we'd always encourage that. Obviously, as well, we're part of the PWM Podcast Network, a podcasting family, uh, if you will, and plenty, plenty of content over there the last while. Um, obviously, our good friends are getting a shout out here again, uh, Jeff and Chris, um, between Boom Goes the Dynamite, talking about what is my favorite weekly show in wrestling at the moment, AEW, which is always, you know, even if it doesn't have blow away matches, it's still a nice, easy two hour watch every week. So they're breaking that show down every week. And um, as well, also Strong Style Story. Now that New Japan is back, I, I often feel the grind of trying to keep up on actually watching New Japan. But you know what? The lads are saving you the effort and they're there breaking down what's happened and what you need to be watching. And God, you know what? To complete the hat trick of Jeff references, uh, we talked about the Premier League finishing this week and Jeff's he, other podcast. He, re- he really needs to start paying us for these fucking looks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I, I, I'm sure that the check is in the mail, but uh, 
Yeah, um, so as you said, with the Premier League ending uh, this weekend, Jeff's uh, podcast that he recently brought into the fold at PWOM, uh, Busting Balls, has a mammoth two-hour-plus programme wrapping up the season, and there was plenty of drama on that last day. So football is your bag uh, that is worth checking out. And one subscription to the PWOM Podcast Network on your podcast platform of preference will get you all those podcasts in your feed and lee you can attest to this i haven't even mentioned the half of what the network has to provide for you i don't know not not even begin to describe all the stuff available on the pwom yeah pwom i should say (laughs) yeah we're still getting used to that new name but yeah (laughs) honestly you know it's cool if you want to subscribe to the the days of thunder uh podcast by itself we have our own rss feed that is fine you do you but if you want bang for your buck it's a free subscription to that uh pwm podcast network and you're talking at at least a podcast a day sometimes a couple uh coming down so i I know with everybody working from home and out on their government mandated one walk a day uh that sometimes you need some podcasts to to fill that void i'm currently on my my podcast addict app tells me i'm subscribed to 87 different podcasts and i still i still could find the time for more if i need to so like um do check out our network there is plenty for you on there for another episode of days of thunder i've been dave ryan the man on the line with me has been lee malone we'll see you next week for episode 31 of thunder our go home show for war games I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you